0: Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your editor-in-chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today.
1: We hope that you enjoy.
2: Welcome back to Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Terry Cronin, and we're going to be talking about our career launch series. In this dialogue, we're going to be talking about perspectives from group private practice, group private practice. And with me, I have two wonderful guests. I have Dr. Dwani Mehta from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dr. Heidi Prather from Austin, Texas. Welcome, ladies.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: So I really want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to working in a group practice. But before we get into it, I kind of want to know, and I think our listeners would want to know, how did you decide to join the practice that you decided to join? Dwani, why don't you answer that first?
1: Sure. So I graduated from residency at Henry Ford Hospital in 2017. For a year, I worked at a private practice in Columbus, Ohio. At that time, for several different reasons, it wasn't the best fit for me, and I decided to look for another opportunity. And I landed upon my practice here in Concord, North Carolina, which is most known for NASCAR, if you know anyone's interested. <laughs> and This practice is very unique in that we're 16 board certified dermatologists and we're privately held still. And we all do medical dermatology. Some of us do a little bit of cosmetics. We have two Mohs surgeons, one dermatopathologist and one pediatric dermatologist all on board. The great thing about our practice is that we have the opportunity to have monthly grand rounds. We actually have eight or 10 patients that we gather at a time who all of them may have similar conditions if one of the topics is hair loss, it's all different types of hair loss, et cetera. And we have someone who is an expert in it come in to talk to us about it and go over different pearls for the conditions as well as kind of give us up to date on what's going on in the field of hair loss or whatever topic we have at that time. In addition to it, we also have a chance to teach family medicine residents. So all of us take turns to go to a family medicine clinic and do a dermatology day with them. And we also have opportunities to collaborate with other dermatologists in the area through Charlotte Dermatologic Society.
2: Duani, we may repeat this question, but I just wanted to know, why did you decide to join this group in particular? Was there Was there something, was it the grand rounds? Was it something uh, about this group? Was there a mentor who led you in this direction? What really made the difference for you?
1: I chose this group for two reasons. One, I felt like I had a mentor from day one in this group, and that was essentially the setup that they presented me with, which was very important to me when I started to look for my jobs. And the mentor essentially meets with me once a month and goes over my goals. Any questions I have, make sure I'm settling in. And I really was intrigued by that model because not every place makes sure that, you know, you're transitioning well from your role as a resident into private practice. And the second reason was the grand rounds. Learning and teaching were both very important to me and are still important to me. So um, seeing such a unique setup where I get a little bit of A scholarly model, but also a private practice model was very special for me.
2: Fantastic. Heidi, can you tell us a little bit what made your decision to join a group practice in Austin?
1: Yes,
0: I think joining a practice is one of the scariest decisions we make when we graduate. And it certainly was a tough decision for me. I'm just kind of making that commitment. But my advice to the graduates out there would be to trust your gut and don't be afraid to try something new because you can always change your mind. I got very lucky because I think I ended up in a great place. I work at Westlake Dermatology, which is a large privately held dermatology office in Austin, Texas. We now have about 12 locations and are expanding to Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. And it's been a great opportunity just because... When I was looking at all the different options on where to work, Westlake Dermatology actually afforded the option to do hundred percent aesthetics and train me in liposuction. And just to kind of dial back, I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in 2014 and took a fellowship opportunity at skincare physicians in Boston for one of the accredited ASDS fellowships for cosmetic and procedural dermatology. And I finished that in 2015. And when I was looking at practices, I anticipated to work about 50% medical, 50% cosmetics. And I never really thought I'd be faced with the opportunity to do 100% cosmetics. And it was a challenging decision to make at the time, but 100% the correct one for me when looking back, because it's really allowed me to carve a niche in my expertise and really develop my skill set in aesthetics to really fine tune that by practicing it every day, you know, five days a week. And now I do about, you know, 30, 40% liposuction in my days, a lot of lasers. So we have about six different devices that we can use. And it's really allowed me to build relationships with both the injectable industry and as well as laser industry. To do research and really stay plugged in on an academic
1: level
2: as well. That's fantastic. You know, certainly you guys have sung the praises of this practice model. And I can't help but think here we have a North Carolinian and we have Austin, Texas, and there's always this battle between who's got the better barbecue. I'm not going to get into that, but I do want to talk about what you think is the bad part of being in a group practice. Heidi, why don't you start off and tell us what you think? Is there there less control? Do you feel like there's, there's, uh, Uh, regulators, administrators on your back, or are there other things that you might consider?
0: Well, I think not running your own practice yourself means that you're always going to be deferring to someone else's decision making. And so I think it's really important that when you're looking at companies to work for, that your value system aligns with the administration. What I like about being at a large group practice that is not owned by business is it's still physicians making decisions based on what physicians need. And so I haven't run into any conflicts of interest in terms of management, which has been very, very fortunate. Uh, But certainly, I think not having control is a big challenge for anybody who's a dermatologist. We are all a little bit type A. And, you know, I think not being in academics is hard because we've spent our entire life being trained to be academicians. And it's hard to let go of that scholarly title. And so what I've done and pursued outside of being in private practice to fill this void is really creating a connection with the local residency program and providing myself as volunteer faculty to help outreach and fill any curriculum voids. And I usually end up working with them about once a month, which has been really beneficial for me and hopefully for the residents as well.
2: Fantastic. Dwani. do you have any things that you consider bad about being in a group practice that you think might be something that the newer dermatologists might need to know?
1: To echo what Heidi said, while my practice allows us to all practice in our own way, there's some things for staff and other members that have to be standardized, but we have learned to all adapt a little bit. The good thing about my practice, though, is that they're very good at taking everyone's input. We are solely physician-run, as I said, and we have several committees that oversee almost all our operations, and all those committees are physician-run. So, for example, we have an EMR committee that works to constantly optimize our EMR for everyone's needs. Secondly, we have a provider committee that has worked um, very hard to make sure all providers' concerns are addressed. Secondly, develop protocols for labs that we need to order for our patients. Also make sure that all the staff is happy, take care of evaluation. So I feel like along every step of the way, while they have to make sure things are standardized, overall, they do do their best to take everyone's input into consideration.
2: Well, it certainly sounds that you both are aligned pretty well with physician-run group practices. It sounds great. I like to talk about mistakes that were made or if there was anything that, you know, when you were first coming out, uh, was there something that was a real challenge for you that you noticed that you'd like to share with our listeners that might help them when they're coming out of residency and and getting into practice? Um, Why don't we ask uh, Heidi that first?
0: I think looking at the challenges of being new to private practice is a very, very real question. And for me, it was staffing. I had a lot of challenges with maintaining a great staffed like team. And for just perspective, our teams consist of, you know, having a nurse and a medical assistant work side by side with you. And finding that perfect dynamic Is Very challenging going into a private practice that is a large group setting I assumed I wouldn't have to do any management and people would be taking care of all of this for me And I magically get this amazing team and it just was not the case I was very fortunate that I was plugged into the ASDS and was a future leaders network Which provided a ton of mentorship about management and I really relied heavily on that to help navigate how to manage a team, how to motivate a team, how to recognize when things are just not working. And for me, it was a challenge to discuss that with the leadership in the company to figure out kind of how to move pieces around to get a team that worked well for me. And we've gotten to that point and it's really interesting. I've been with the company for almost five years and over the past year, I've really kind of fell into a nice management groove and have an amazing team that works alongside with me. And we all have the same goals in mind and just my job happiness and productivity and everything really hasn't been at a a higher point for me in my career. And so I think for new grads, really keeping in mind that even if you're going to work for somebody, you still need to stay in tune with management skills um, and really be a leader in that small section of of your practice.
2: Thank you, Duwani, what do you think?
1: For me, as I was telling you yesterday a little bit, when I graduated from residency, I was at a private practice in Columbus, Ohio. And after that, because it wasn't the best fit for me, and then also my husband, who is a gastroenterologist, he also wanted a different job model for himself. So we both started to look for other opportunities. It was very hard for me to kind of get on board that it's okay if I have to change a job. It was very hard for me to tell my last practice that, hey, I think that I'm going to have to find another opportunity. So one thing that I would like to tell people who are starting to decide to look for jobs that you should definitely have a mindset and as to what you're looking for in a practice, but as you go along and learn from your experience, it's okay to decide that you you may want something else and it's okay to make that change. And sometimes just taking that leap of faith and looking for change, you might actually be very surprised that you will find something else that you enjoy. For me, as I was telling you, mentorship was very important. I trained at Henry Ford Hospital and was blessed to have wonderful mentors over there. And I wanted to make sure that my learning just didn't end when residency ended. And I have tried to seek that out. So for everyone, it might be work life balance, or a mentor, or just having the chance to be more involved in aspects of their practice, or with teaching and whatever you're looking for. If you feel like, you know what, this is not the right fit for me, rather than just always adapting to the situation. It's okay to say no and move on to a different opportunity if that's what you feel is right for you.
2: Well, I want to congratulate both of you for staying true to your core beliefs and really maintaining your passion for the specialty and what you do and in your job. We're coming to the end here. Is there any final thoughts that you might want to leave with our listeners? Dwani? let's start with you.
1: So I would recommend for everyone who's looking at their job, as I said, to really take time to talk to your mentors in residency about what it is that you're looking for in the next five to 10 years, and really doing the research. One of the things that was very helpful for me was contacting the practices in advance. Sometimes just doing a job search on online or going to a career network is not enough. Um, cold calling practices, don't be shy and use your connections that you have made through the AAD and ASDS. Because sometimes um, just talking to people you have met along the way, as well as um, you know, being confident enough to call a place and ask them, hey, I really like what I saw about your group. Are you interested in you know, interviewing me and hiring me? And just asking them that is very important, because I think that that's how I found both my jobs. And I feel like if I had just gone through a networking place, I may not have done so. So just taking that leap of faith again and researching things for yourself is
2: very important. Grace, Duane, thank you so much. Heidi, do you have any final comments?
0: Uh, yes. I for final tips that would be helpful for grads in terms of making these decisions is first, I would say, consider doing a fellowship. So if there is a a niche that you are interested in, don't be afraid to spend that extra time because time is valuable and we don't really get that option for just dedicated mentorship and hands-on experience and really zero distractions in terms of funneling into those specialty fields within dermatology, including, you know, medical derm, hair and nail, MOS, cosmetics, pediatrics, pathology. So really consider that if those are of interest to you and maintain that mentorship because mentorship has really gotten me to where I'm at today from networking, but also just my peers and colleagues helping me plug into what are the good practices and what are the practices that have reputations that would be amenable to kind of just your own personality. So when you meet with those practices, trust your gut, know what you're looking for, and make sure that you're joining a practice that will support your career goals and develop and mold you into the position that you want to be and have those resources at your fingertips because they do exist. And I wish everyone the best of luck in finding their dream job.
2: Well, great advice and words of wisdom from both of you. You know, we didn't touch on that we're actually recording this during the COVID-19 crisis. So I want to wish you and everyone success and uh, to stay safe and stay healthy during this time. Thank you for listening to Dialogues in Dermatology.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.